0: Principal Matters podcast, episode 58. Guess what? It's a great big world out there, and you don't have to be scared, because it's all yours for the taking. I know that your dreams are big and bright, and God gave you this life to do. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, principal from SkyTook High School and host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast where each week I bring you inspiring, imaginative, and innovative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about triggering the brain with wonder. You know, the other day I was talking to our high school choir teacher when she told me about a fascinating brain study involving music. MIT neuroscientists have discovered that music triggers an auditory cortex of the brain that doesn't appear to respond to other basic auditory sounds like speech. And if our brains have portions that only react to sounds recognized as music, then this leads to an important question that I want to ask. Are we really engaging the brain most effectively in the way that we're teaching if we're not exposing it to both the facts and information that come through left brain learning, as well as inspiring imaginative and artistic exercises that come through the right brain. You know, a few years ago, when my mother-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, she slowly began to lose her ability to track time. And ironically, when I sat down with her at the piano, she can almost perfectly recall the tunes and verses of her favorite hymns. In other words, her short-term and her long-term memories often get jumbled, but her music memory is so much more precise. I can remember many times when playing the piano has prompted my own creativity in solving problems. In fact, after decades as an amateur musician, I can sometimes play almost instinctively. It's almost like I feel like I'm playing with one part of my brain while thinking about something else with the other part. How does this happen? Well, for a moment, I want to talk about the art of what we do. Because in education, I believe that teaching or leading is both an art and a science. You know, for a long time, we've heard that visual artists engage the right side of their brains more than the left sides when they're creating, like lessons taught in Betty Edwards' famous drawing book. If you've Never read that book before. It's one that I remember using as an art student in high school, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But these exercises show us that the left side of the brain seems more engaged when we're reasoning or problem-solving. And the discovery that music triggers a specific part of our brain just reinforces the theories that the right side of our brains often help us in expressions that are more artistic. I've always told new teachers, especially, that I believe that good teaching involves both science and art. On the one hand, you're implementing the processes and strategies and steps necessary to accomplish a task. These are called best practices. Or on the other hand, you may be exercising the passion or the connection necessary to inspire, or you're using creative means to engage students. And music is just one other way that teachers can engage learners in stimulating their understanding. But I believe that highly effective teachers always find ways to teach with both sides of the brain at the same time. That's why when you're observing a master teacher, for instance, you can't always put your finger on the mix of processes and passion. Some people describe these as the gifts of teaching or the magic of a classroom or a light bulb moment. It's, it's what happens when a math teacher it becomes so entranced in the wonder, for instance, of the Fibonacci sequence that she not only explains the predictable patterns that are found in nature, for instance, but she's also inspiring questions and discussions about the possibilities of intelligent design. Or maybe it's when a teacher of Shakespeare not only helps his students decipher Elizabethan English, but the same teacher is helping them understand the captivating plots, the unavoidable drama that keeps them turning the pages. It's what happens when a music teacher trains her students in sight reading and scales, but also teaches them to to listen and blend harmonies until they can combine sounds into something that's beautiful, that's triggering the unique parts of our brain. It's often what I refer to in the pedagogy that I use most, which is storytelling, because often in the... Times that I am teaching or have been in the classroom, or I'm even teaching um, adults, it's the art of story that often triggers ideas that help us to reinforce facts or points that we want to make. This happened one night when I was at dinner with my wife. Um, We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at a restaurant that's run by a local culinary school, and I had been asked to speak at a graduation commencement there once, and so they had given me a gift. Uh, a dinner as a gift for, for speaking. And we had a wonderful dinner with students who had prepared this culinary feast. And after we finished the meal, we were chatting with the head chef, who's also an instructor at the school, when he suddenly says to me, oh yeah, you're the principal who writes books and tells stories. And I remember the stories that you told. And then he began telling me back the very stories and the points that I had made in the commencement that I had given months before. And I was sitting here just amazed. How does this guy remember all the things that I said? And then he turned the table on me, and he he said something to me that no one had ever asked before. He says, can you tell me a story right now that can inspire me? Like one where someone was about to give up on a student they were working with, for instance. Now, I was surprised by the question. First of all, it was a little awkward To, on the spur of the moment, be asked to tell a story. But then I realized that this was a moment for me to encourage him. And so I thought back to a time when I once had a student who I'd worked with um, who had discovered the joy of reading when I had given her a book to hold on to for the weekend. And it was a book that spoke to her, uh, that she could relate to because of how lonely and troubled that she was. And even though it was involved in a situation where um, this young lady had was an orphan at my school, um, we had put her on a mentor team, we had coached her and encouraged her, uh, but she had been in trouble and I had assigned her to our in-school placement room for a day. And during that time, she had reached back to me with a note asking for something to read, and I had sent her a book called Chicken Soup for the Teenager Soul. And at the end of the day, she came and Um, brought me that book and said, is there anything else like this? I've never had a book that speaks to me like this. And so I reached out to the librarian and she sent me another chicken soup for the soul book, this one, chicken soup for the woman's soul. And I'll never forget her clutching that book to her chest and her eyes beaming like I had given her a Christmas present. And when I retold that story that evening to that chef at that culinary restaurant, he said to me, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And I remember on the way home, I was telling my wife how uncomfortable but encouraged I felt at the same time. It's a little disconcerting to be asked to give someone an inspirational story on the spot, but it was also obvious that the power of storytelling is something that helps others grasp the deeper meanings in their own work with others. In other words, the art of our lessons causes the information that we're sharing to become memorable or tangible. This came home to me um, just a couple of weeks ago before spring break, and if you're listening to this at the time of its recording, we're in spring at my school, and I was going back into my choir teacher's room, the same teacher who had told me about this study from MIT on neuroscientists and, and music and the brain, and this is her last year of teaching in my building. Her name is Mrs. Meyer. And I had sat down in the back of her room when she announced to her students that um, this was her last formal observation from Mr. Parker. And she had tears in her eyes as she was telling them how much she was going to miss teaching. So as I was observing her teach, I decided to give her some feedback in a different way than the, the typical evaluation instrument that I use with my teachers throughout my school. I wanted to somehow capture for her an idea of what her work looks like through someone else's eyes. And so here, here's what I wrote. I'm just going to read to you the, the note that I sent her afterwards, and I, I wrote it from the perspective of someone watching her, and here's what I said. First I said, Miss Meyer, uh, it was wonderful to be in your class again, and I wanted to share with you this observation from another person's perspective to help you see how wonderful your teaching is. Quote, it's hard to describe what it's like to walk into a classroom when Ms. Meyer's students are singing. 30 voices of blending notes and pitches and harmonies, such a stark contrast from the quiet hallway outside her room. Students who may struggle in other settings flourish here, their faces lifted high and their voices projecting with confidence. And standing up front is Mrs. Meyer, Sleeves rolled up to her elbows, glasses perched on top of her head, lanyard of keys hung around her neck, and blonde hair bouncing as she waves her hands. As her assistant, Miss Edens, adds notes from the keyboard, Miss Meyer dances in rhythm with the music and sings along. Slowly, she is transforming a room full of students into a symphony of sound. She points Comments "'and directs. "'She closes her eyes "'and is caught in the wave of voices. "'Like a child riding a wave at the ocean, "'she seems to be floating higher with each note. "'Or like a rider leading her horse "'into a canter or gallop, "'she opens the reins "'and prompts them into a full run.' And now they're moving, singing at full speed, sopranos hitting higher, altos blending, tenors and basses adding layers, and Mrs. Meyer is over them all, her hair flying back as she feels the rumble, lifts the sound, and leads them higher and higher. She is soaring. She is transported. And just as suddenly, she stops them all. All right, she says, we have three minutes. Watch your e-vowels. Don't pinch off the notes. Like a coach to a team, she explains where they need to improve and she makes them run the play again, end quote. So let's wrap this up. If brain research has shown that parts of our brain are triggered by music, then doesn't it make sense that when we couple information, facts, figures, history, literature, grammar, when we couple these with music or art or storytelling or imaginative creative components, then we are conveying more than just facts. We're also creating a deeper understanding or even moments of awe or wonder. And so this week, I just want to remind you as school leaders or as educators, if you sometimes wonder why your work is important, then I think it's important to remember that you're job is more than just sharing information. It's more than just management. It is creating learning moments. It's facilitating environments for learning that can be simply amazing. When we, as educators, inspire kids to reach into the parts of their brain that none of us really understands, but that can be stirred and triggered into discovering things that are beautiful and wonderful. And helpful. So, this week, as you think about your school and your own leadership, let me ask you a few questions, because now it's your turn. What are some ways that you can be encouraging these brain triggers in the ways that lessons are being shared with others in your school? How can you learn to recognize both the process and the inspiration that happens at the same time in learning? And how can we model that for others? But also, how can we encourage it when we see it modeled by the teachers in our building? Just like I saw that being modeled by my music teacher. Now, if you're interested in other imaginative ways to hook students with creative stories or scenarios, let me recommend a great book by Dave Burgess called Teach Like a Pirate. A couple of years ago, I heard a wonderful presentation by Dave, and he has technique and strategies and and stories. Um, packed full uh, in his book of ideas of ways that every teacher can take information and connect it to inspiration. So let me encourage you to check out Dave Burgess's book, Teach Like a Pirate, and and I'll include it in the show notes with today's podcast. Well, that's it for this week. I just want to remind you that the work that you do is so amazingly important, and I want to encourage you, if this podcast has been helpful, to share it out with others. You can find free resources for school leaders at my website at williamdparker.com. If you want to subscribe to receive weekly updates from me via email, you can do so at my website. And I'll send you a free ebook called Eight Hats, Essential Roles for School Leaders. Or you can check out my book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Action, and Courage Needed for School Leaders at my website or at amazon.com. Until next time, I hope that you have a great week. Thanks for doing what matters